1: A couple of armchair GMs who have yet to be wrong with any of their Timberwolves takes, <laughs> right? It's flagrant howls with Phil Mackey and Kyle Taikey.
0: I know you guys are wondering uh, where where have these guys been? Why have they not? Like the, our audience is wondering, much like the Timberwolves fans, wondering about Carl Anthony Towns. What is the status? What are what are these cryptic Kyle tweets that keep being sent out? Uh, Mackie's been holding me back. The Scornorth training staff has been
1: holding me back. I I felt like the Timberwolves because I tweeted out on Monday that uh, I was obviously on vacation last week, and I was like, no no podcast today, but we will do one later this week. And then we just totally didn't do one this week and felt just like Wolves PR tweeting out injury updates. Like, Anthony Edwards is questionable. Uh, He has one foot. Uh, The other one is (laughs) firmly entranced in a boot, but uh, he's questionable. Just kidding. He's not going to play. So weird week, um, probably one of the worst weeks. I mean, we're going to get into various topics, but three-game losing streak at the wrong time, all difficult games. The Celtics are, you know, good. The Bulls game was the most defeating loss I've experienced in years. And then because the it, it looked like
0: just... they, yeah, well the Raptors game was like bound to happen. That, that, yeah, that. I think the frustrating off. thing about the bulls game among a million other things is that you knew that you knew that like the next night on a back to back was going to be almost yep. impossible anyways. Yep. And to get that close and like, God, you're up and Torian Prince just kind of loses his mind with a pass. And you have a chance. What was it? Like 20 seconds left or something. You have a chance to go up by three or maybe kick it out, hit a three, go up by four, and now the game's probably over and boom the bulls are running back the other way. Uh no pun intended. <laughs> and then you fly to Toronto to just get waxed So um I think all right. This is <laughs> where do you want to start? You, you, you didn't finish you, you didn't finish your sentence. You were gonna say this is what that you said like this week was one of the and then you stopped. I think you were maybe going to say one of the worst weeks in Timberwolves history, but then you remembered the 30 years before this year. Right. And it's tough to put it in, uh, you know, one of the worst weeks in Wolves history. But, you know, the landscape is bleak. They are hanging on for dear life. And I think everyone's just crossing their fingers and praying that either Anthony Edwards and or Carl Anthony Towns can get back in time. Maybe just for the – and we'll do, like, the schedule update and the playoff picture update, but you might have to take more lumps on your schedule. Knicks on the road Monday right like there's some just really tough games and just kind of pray that you can go on a run in the last four games because you get Mm -hmm. you get spurs in there you get some teams in there at the end so let's start with okay Anthony Edwards here's the update as we record this on a Sunday afternoon Shams came out late this morning central time and said good news and this, by the way, is the most comprehensive Timberwolves injury update that we have seen all season. And it's not from the Timberwolves. I love how last week too they put out like, okay, we have a we have officially have a Carl Anthony Towns injury update for you all. Okay. <laughs> Here it is, everyone. Click on the link. Click on the link. Go to the website and see it. And it was like uh, he's going through basketball things and may be back sometime in a few weeks. Stop bothering us, right? Um, So here's the Shams update on Anthony Edwards. Timberwolves all-star Anthony Edwards has exited exited a walking boot. So he's out of the walking boot. And he's moving around more as the swelling decreases in the ankle sprain he suffered on Friday, according to sources. Anthony Edwards is expected to be evaluated day-to-day on a return. He's currently listed as questionable, by the way, for the Knicks game on Monday night. So that's where things stand with him. On the cat front, um, he's kind of practicing... He's doing more things, but then he sends out over the weekend this weird cryptic tweet. It's a picture of a lion putting its paw up on a cage, like a caged lion. And the tweet is, me waiting to get cleared to play. Let the kid do what he loves. It's like a shot at the organization. Dude, it's been 16 weeks. There's been some steam that it's the other way around. And so because no one's being tramped, maybe this is Kat trying to say, Hey, I wanted to play for a month, but the medical staff isn't letting me. So you have cat versus organization, Anthony Edwards versus genetics. I don't know, like how quickly can he get back? And the Wolves versus the schedule and the rest of the uh, the tightly knit Western Conference. So there's your landscape, Kyle.
1: So yeah, I didn't miss. I didn't miss much on vacation, I guess. Uh, <laughs> we, you know, we've danced about around this. I think since Carl went down, um, and there's just a lot to kind of on earth, and I, I do want to get your opinion on some of this stuff. Like, at some point, this is, like, a really, really big issue. This – and it's not I, – I do want to be honest. It's not Timberwolf specific, but we're just so ingrained in it that we feel like it is. But the lack of transparency is so weird. Like, to the Ant thing, because we started with Ant. He he sprains his ankle. Um, You know, I don't think he's had a lot of injuries in his young career because um, when he went down, I thought he broke his foot. I mean, yeah. he was – you could pick up audible screams on the mic, and it was like, oh, no, um, and he gets carried off the court, and then he's deemed – and this is my issue – he's deemed questionable to return. There's no way he's coming back, right? And <laughs> unless, then he's unless it's out. a
0: Paul Pierce situation, and it was really more of a digestive problem he was trying to right, exactly. mask or something.
1: <laughs> so then he's, he, then he's out, and it's like, okay, that's totally fine. And the bummer about that, and we'll talk about officiating too, but like they win that game against the Bulls by double digits if Ant stays around. I mean, they were kind of cruising at that point. Um, and then on the Ant-specific thing, it's like, okay, then he's in a boot. He comes back out to the, to the sideline or whatever. And then it's like he's deemed questionable for the Toronto game, which is less than 22 hours from when they finish the Bulls game, right? Because they go into overtime or double overtime. Mm -hmm. And it's like, dude, so he's in a boot, but you're going to rule him questionable. And then Chris Hine, who was traveling and covering all the games and does a great job at the Star Tribune, was like, yeah, but he's having further testing on Sunday. So it's like, okay, well, some of that doesn't add up. How is he questionable, but he's going to have more testing on Sunday? That would mean that he's not going to play. So – at some point, like the team or I don't know, even the league, too, I just don't understand what really goes into what is the benefit of making him questionable. <laughs> like what there Dude. was there was he was never gonna play. Why even try to rush him back? Like, like you said, maybe take as we look at the schedule, there's 10 games left. Maybe just take a lump. Like you said, you're gonna lose in Toronto, you're 10 point underdogs anyway. Um, but the lack of transparency with the injuries, I think Ant rolled his ankle really bad. I think Carl had a severe, severe, severe calf strain or whatever that should have never had a four to six week timeline, whatever. But you not being upfront and just like, the fact that they had that day, Phil, where there was like big announcement PR you know, press release, here's our Carl they the Towns update. And it was not an update. It was just like, hey, he's alive. It's like, yes. hey, we know he's alive, but like, is he gonna come back? It just fosters, especially in 2023, conspiracy theories that you can just nip in the bud if you're just transparent and honest like hey he's just not ready yet just you know people hold press conferences for the dumbest things in the world just like put Carl and Tim on a live stream of track the pack and be like yeah Carl's working hard he's just not back yet like the shadiness and the inability it just shows you and the Timberwolves are really bad at this but so are other teams it shows you just the lack of like the gap that exists between the media and the fans and the teams they're so isolated Like, someone should know inside that building, we're really bad at this, and we need to be more upfront.
0: It reminds me a lot. I used to, I've mentioned this before on the show, I used to be a baseball beat writer, and I covered the Twins from 2010 through 2014, somewhere in that period. And uh, 2011, if you remember, Joe Maurer had some sort of, like, he was something that was kind of hobbling him, I think, Mm -hmm. in spring training, and then a few games into the season. It was in Tampa Bay when this officially went down, but he was just like not physically right to start the season, but he also had knee surgery like a year, year and a half before, but the team wasn't really being super upfront about what was it? His knee is it? His back, you know, he's just kind of, he's just kind of banged up is what the, and that they would call it general soreness. You know, He has got general soreness. People were wearing uh, number seven, general soreness jerseys to target field to mock him that season, but they wind up, uh, deeming it bilateral leg weakness and they shut him down they put him on the at the time it was called the disabled list now it's called the injured list and he sat out for months he I don't think he came back until like after the all-star break and uh, they just continued to call it bilateral leg weakness now I had heard that so Bill Smith was the the Twins GM at the time um that they they didn't want like the public to know exactly what was happening that there was I've always heard that there was some other issue with him some some medical issue or something that's never really hit the light of day and so they didn't really want to be transparent and so they just literally made up a name or a term for it and they it was written on a post-it note before <laughs> you know someone talked to the media in Tampa Bay but I bring this up to say that it looks like Carl Anthony Towns, who definitely has rabbit ears when it comes to what people are saying about him in the media, on social 100%. media, like 100%. he he soaks that stuff in. I think he's starting to hear some of the fans, you know, hey, dude, dude, it's been 16 weeks. Where are you, guy? This team is a half game up on the 12 seed right now. And the they're just, this team needs you back. Why are you not on the court right now? Why is this such a mystery? And I think this tweet for him was his way of saying, I want to go. Take you know you know take this however you want to, but it's not me that's preventing me from being on the court. And I think if I'm Carl Anthony Towns from a perception standpoint, I I probably do fight back here. And I don't know what I don't I don't know. Maybe the team would tell you because I, I know Doogie's reported on this too that you know and there's not a lot of information to go off of because they are ironclad lockdown. That maybe it's been the other way around at times. That maybe it's kind of Carl controlling the rehab process. So. Where the truth and, lies, I don't know, but they're definitely Bill Belichick, New England style in terms of their lockdown for information.
1: <laughs> and what, oh God, you're going to get me started. And the, I, I'm probably naive enough to think, I want. I think Carl just is really injured and now is probably thinking that he's well, ready to get back and, out there. And
0: one more thing, just sorry to cut you no, off on no. this, just to, to put a bow on the, this is like one of the points I was trying to make is, Joe Maurer looked really, really bad because he failed to come forward and say, hey... Even if it's kind of a lie, right? Mm -hmm. It's my knee. My knee hurts. My back hurts. Bilateral leg weakness. Calf strain. Like these are sort of people are like a calf strain, dude. Okay. You missed two months, three months, four months with a calf strain. So if you, if there was just a little bit more transparency about just how bad the injury was, or, and like, I know for a fact that Joe Maurer grinded through so much pain as a catcher and he never talked about it to the media and he never came out to correct the bilateral leg weakness thing. So, like, quite frankly, people think Carl Anthony Towns is a wuss. Based on his postseason behavior, based on him missing four months with a calf strain, right? Like, people think he's—the the team is desperately throwing, like, hey, dude, we we please throw us some sort of a, a safety harness here and reel us back in. And he's standing there like, I can't. I'm sorry. Like, people think he's a wuss, right? That Let's just say it. So, so this thing— oh. I shouldn't have had caffeine.
1: I'm going to, so <laughs> uh, the, the wolves, the wolves, the wolves do have a good, and this, this is the conspiracy stuff. The wolves have a good medical staff, even though we all make fun of it. Like one of their head medical people is like, I think he's done team USA stuff. Like they have smart people. So if at the end of all this, there is scientific proof that says, if we rush Carl back, he could risk a Kevin Drake. He could risk tearing his Achilles. If that's real, then I am totally in support of how the franchise has handled managing Carl's injury. But just be upfront with it. And the thing that drives me crazy, and I have been, as many have, pretty upfront sometimes about my frustration about, you know, you went big game hunting last year, not only on your roster, but in your front office. And you brought in this, you know, Tim Connolly to be this top five executive and stuff. And you're paying him all this money. And the transparency there, I mean, he is an ironclad person. I know that he has... His whole front office is very, there's not a lot of leaks coming out of there. Mm -hmm. But when things were really bad, he made a couple of comments. Maybe it was to do gear, just kind of publicly like, blame me. Like, you know, put it on me. Like this was, I made this move. If the team struggles, put it on me. Don't blame the players. Don't blame Finch. Put it on me. This would be a great time for him to just come out and be like, Carl thinks he's ready to go. He's been looking great in, you know, the one-on-ones or the Mm -hmm. one-on-zeros or whatever. But I'm not ready to put him in yet. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure he's 110% because we believe and our staff believes that there's a little risk there that he could re himself further and then do all the BS stuff that presidents say, like, we believe Carl at 26, 27 years old is a cornerstone of this franchise and we're not worried about two weeks of basketball. We're worried about
0: two more years. <laughs> but, but he might not – that might not be his truth.
1: Right, but – right, exactly. It's just like be <laughs> – someone should fall on the sword because it seems like everyone – again, the fact that you're just not – Even if this is all, here's my point, if everyone is innocent here, and Carl was really hurt, but he wants to play, and the Wolves are precautious about him, and they don't want to ruin him long-term, whether it be because he's a cornerstone of the franchise for the next seven years, or he's an elite trade piece, whatever that they're thinking may be, just say it. Just say it, because when you don't, especially now with how many fans this team has kind of dug up from, from the grave, after having a little bit of success last year, it just leads to so many dumb things, and then it leads to, like you said, Carl. No matter what those guys say, it's not just Carl, it's a lot of those guys, they are so online. So online, Mm -hmm. and he's heard it, and that's why he posted a a lion at, you know, Joe Exotic's Dirt, or, you know, Lion Camp. It's like, he's just, he's trying to let people know, like, I wanna play, and it's like, God, someone, you're, you're paying your president $10 million, he should be out in front of that and be like, listen, this is my decision, and when we're ready to put Carl in, we'll put him in. So it's you know, just been and, handled
0: terribly. And I think the, uh, ordinarily there would be kind of a bailout option here for a franchise where, okay, what are there? you know, t- 10 games, one, two, three, four, 10, there's 10 games left. You know, you're, you're clinging to the ninths. You're, you're tied for the ninth slash 10th seed right now. You're a, you're a half game up from, you know, the Lakers and you're just, you're not, you're not like winning the title or doing anything meaningful and, is it worth really jeopardizing putting Ant out there at 70% and he rolls his ankle again and now he's right. got chronic ankle problems? Is it worth like rushing Cat back and having a Kevin Durant situation? Um, not, I don't think you're rushing him back after four months at this point, but I am also not a doctor, nor did I stay at a Holiday Inn Express last <laughs> night. But I, what I'm saying is like in, in most normal cases, there would be a, a fallback option to just tank. Right. Right. Exactly, exactly. OK, well, maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing if we miss the plan because eh, then we could just get another asset, get a get a shot at maybe the number one overall pick in the lottery. And would it really be that bad to just take a deep breath, reassess kind of a train wreck season and then move forward with a healthy Anthony Edwards and whatever else you want to do this summer? And the problem is, obviously, the Wolves don't own their first round pick. Utah owns the Wolves first round pick. So really, there's only that, that's the desperation that I feel here on behalf of the franchise in these last 10 games is that there's really only one way to salvage this season. At minimum, get into the plan. Mm-hmm. And I think a step beyond that, because I don't want to lower the bar that we set like two weeks ago on this show when they had rolled off a couple wins. I think you need to get in the plan when you're playing games. And then do some damage, or at least like at least get back to the level you were at last year, where you're fighting against a good team for six games in the first round. So it feels like you didn't take a huge step back, mm-hmm. dude. Missing the play-in is a real possibility for this team right now, based on their injury situation, and it is a—I don't know what the word is because this is a franchise full of like just awful sort of bottom feeding moments. But it would just be an unthinkable, horrible thing to happen for this. For this basketball team, I think for everyone involved, like from Tim Connolly all the way down to Anthony Edwards to like to feel that that type of failure would be oof. even for the Timberwolves, man, that would be quite the epic uh, situation.
1: And just a quick interjection on like the schedule. I'm still it hasn't been a great week, right? I think we've cleared that up. But if you do look at their schedule, they have 10 games left. I think five or six are on the road, four at home. But they finish with at home against the Lakers, which will be a big game. But you're at home, and then against the Blazers, the Nets, the Spurs, and the Pelicans. And the Pelicans have fallen off the face of the earth. You also have the Hawks mixed in there somewhere too. So um, I'm still very bullish on, like you said, they they need to want, find a way to salvage. I mean, like five and five over these next ten games. I think five and five will probably get you in because
0: gets get you the play in for sure. Yeah, getting well, not, in the not play for, I wouldn't say for sure, but it's it gives you a shot, I guess.
1: Right. I so I mean I guess to put a bow on, you know. Ant's injury and the way that it, that was reported. I mean cuz then it was weird too, right? Cuz like I know Dane and Chris were both in Chicago for that game and then Chris or like they obviously went to Toronto, but Finch had a line or something in his pregame stuff where it was like, "Yeah, I think he's out indefinitely." Well, when you're out indefinitely, that to me is like, you know, at least a week. And then it's just like now today with the sham stuff, this reporting has been so weird, and I have been doing this with you and for years as just a fan. Fan first. And the fans, my biggest gripe is just the fans deserve better because they didn't lower ticket prices for next year by any means, right? They're not offering free concession stands for every extra game that Carl misses, right? Like, you need to be a little upfront with some of this stuff. Um, And if you don't want to, I mean, no one's forcing you to, but if you want to just be so isolated from the fan base and the media and any sort of reality, then you're going to get stuff like this. Because I have one of my favorite things to do right now is a degenerate sicko is to just see every time the wolves tweet out their injury report. Because <laughs> there's fifty-two thousand quote tweets on it and it's just they're getting ripped to shreds. And it's because you just didn't try to cut this off, you know, two months ago and just be yeah. upfront and honest and transparent. Some of these teams do it way better than others. The Warriors are anytime Steph Curry has, you know, fake meat, they tweet about it all the time. So it's like at least give us something and then yeah. to do what they did this week was just Yeah, it's it's tough. So we'll we'll see what happens this week. I mean they they announced their they put up their injury report today for the Knicks game, and Gobert is questionable, but he'll play. Ants qu- questionable, so but cats <laughs> play, but Kat's Kat's listed as out. Yeah.
0: yeah, let's let's. This is a good segue. Let's do our Western Conference playoff picture update here, going into the last ten games. So uh, it's it's <laughs> it's a problem, um, but it's so crazy. And that still from the four seed Suns, who don't have Kevin Durant down the stretch all the way down to the, let's see, the four-seed Suns, all the way down to, let's call it the 11-12, the the 12-seed Pelicans. Four and a half games separate the Pelicans from the Suns. And you see how the Pelicans have dropped off a cliff. They have, but the Pelicans are just one game behind the Wolves right now. And the Wolves could lose any of these games on their schedule, as they've proven all season. Yep, They could also win any of these games on their schedule, as they Mm -hmm. prove it. I think the Wolves actually have uh, they have one of the best records against winning teams in the Western Conference this year, mm-hmm. but then they also have just an absurd amount of losses against some of the worst teams in the league. So uh, the Wolves are tied for the 9-10 seed with, of course, Utah. They're a half game back of the Thunder for the 8th spot, a full game back of the Warriors for the 7, and only a game and a half back of the Mavericks for the six. So that's the crazy thing, dude. Like you could still—I don't think you're gonna rattle off a bunch of wins without Anthony Edwards, but you're still looking like God, is the six seeds. If you could just win like three of the next four or something, and the Mavericks lose, um, so that's kind of. But but beneath you, again, you got the Lakers are a half game back, the Pelicans are a game back. I think the Blazers are cooked at this point—eight games under 500, five straight losses—but they're only three games back of. Of the playing right now. So it's so hard to figure out what's going to happen.
1: They'll never do this because they have a uh, Tom Thibodeau kind of thought process about playing guys, which again, I'm not going to complain about because I've also been the guy that's like, there's way too much load management in Adam Silver's poorly run NBA these days. But then if you play the Knicks on Monday and then you play the Hawks at home on Wednesday and then you have a weird three days off before you go on like your kind of last little road trip, Golden State, Sacramento, Phoenix, mm-hmm. um, I would just sit everyone against the Knicks. That to me the Knicks game is like the last really tough one. I mean the Kings obviously in Sacramento is tough too, but you can the season and this isn't optimistic, it's just reality. It's very salvageable and there's still a lot of winnable games on the I mean beating the Lakers is massive because they go down one and you go up one. So you still have a lot of flexibility over these next 10 games. But who who's going to play? <laughs> right? I mean we saw in Toronto that Yeah, that's and that's part of the, you know, importance of can we get Carl back? It's like when you don't have Ant out there, you can, you know, stay in the ring for eight rounds, but then you're done after the ninth or 10th. Like you just can't beat teams without any firepower. Yeah. Um, So it's going to be and, you know, for the people that were complaining about the losses in January and February and us too. like this is if. This should be the learning lesson, I guess. Maybe, hopefully, fingers crossed for the young guys that like, yeah, you know what, man? Maybe you shouldn't take those easy games, ser- or, you know, not seriously because they mm-hmm. add up now. It's like if you would have given yourself three more wins in January or three more wins in February, you could have afforded to go one and you know, five in your last six. Because, yeah, dude. again, when ant's, when ants, if you don't have Ant and you don't have Carl, put all the other stuff aside. Like, I don't have any expectations for you. Those are two top 40 players in the league. I know they have Rudy still, but he's just not a needle mover offensively. So, now it's okay to lose because you don't have your two best players, but simultaneously you can't be losing because then you're going to fall out of the race. So,
0: yeah. So, yeah. do you think okay, do you think 10 games left? Do you think Carl Anthony Towns plays in the regular season? 100%. I, like okay. that's
1: I, I do. And that's yeah,
0: I do. So, do on you? the ca- in terms of calendar, I don't I'm I'm not 100%. I'm not 100%. So in terms of calendar time, so the 10 games left, um, let me see here. Let me go back to the to the calendar schedule. So they get the Knicks tomorrow night, so that's the first of the 10 mm-hmm. games. Their last game of the regular season, and they of course they have a back-to-back to finish the season. So it's kind of a weird schedule in that they get four days off between the third-to-last game and the second-to-last game, and they play a back-to-back to wrap the season. But mm-hmm. that's on April 9th. So they basically have what three so it's three weeks left? They have three weeks from the from
1: the time we're recording this. If he has never come back during that time, it could it would it could get real messy. Like that like you were saying someone's gotta maybe fall on the sword because if the if the dude's saying now that he's like let let the line out of the cage and you're gonna Keep them caged up for three more weeks during, like you said, these are meaningful win- like games that you need to win, and you forced yourself into this position by trading all the draft capital you did, and trading all the you know important depth players you did. So that, that's the only reason. I mean, I, my my hot take would be that he gets upgraded to like doubtful or questionable for the Atlanta game, and then that kind of gives you a little tease, and then they have again three more days off before they go to Golden State. So a, be a, a, Golden State would be a
0: week from today. Today, as we yeah, so this, right.
1: I mean, I, you could also say too that if he doesn't play in the Golden State game, then what's the point? Because then it's just like, well, how many more games we have left? And what he, are you he's probably do not.
0: You might, you might, you might have found the date here. So he's probably not playing a back to back. So they play a Golden State Sacramento back to back next weekend, Saturday, uh, Sunday into Monday, mm-hmm. both road games, and then their only other back to back is the one to finish the season. So, there's no way he starts by playing back to back games. So, I could see either playing the Golden State game and then sitting the Sacramento game, or okay. they sit him for Golden State and they play him for like a jolt on the second night of a back to back in Sacramento, or they just avoid that altogether and they debut him in Phoenix on ESPN on uh, Wednesday, March 29th. But then it's like, God, there's six games. These guys have played the last six games as you're, you're three, four games under 500, desperately trying to. It's just. Uh, but, but is.
1: Don't you think if he's we've we've now gone back to the scientific part of like he's medically cleared and there is no risk. I mean, this is this is the Finch style, right?
0: Well, what's the difference between playing him on Wednesday this week against Atlanta or a week or you wait a week against Phoenix? What's it's it's been four months of him sitting out and rehabbing? Does the risk decrease by a lot if he sits one more week? That's that's
1: why I'm confused here i gotta i'll leave that for the twitter doctors that send me google screenshots of calf injuries <laughs> that they've looked up or like on the ant thing too i had people tweeting at me like well i rolled my ankle at la fitness it's like well that's great but you're five six and a buck 30 like i don't really care what your yeah. recovery time was against anthony edwards but no i i get your point like i don't i don't know what we're risking anymore at this point i mean you've made it pretty apparent that we're like what 16 weeks into this seven like four months into this thing but um I just think Finch – I think if Finch could get Carl back for the game against the Pelicans the last game of the season, he would do it because he's like, we we want to try to win as many games as possible and have as much firepower. But, again, why won't just someone come out and and be honest and just say it, right? Tim Connolly, this is kind of one of your job descriptions is to be like, we're either not going to play him because we're just – we're the bad guys and we're going to take you know, the egg on our face because we don't want to <laughs> risk hurting him. Or just tell us something, but
0: let's right, then, then be the bad guys publicly now, like you said, exactly. Come out, exactly. especially now that he tweeted that. Like, Im- imagine how how much this had to be boiling up for him to actually send. he's he's literally just taking a shot at the organization. He's mm-hmm. he's saying let me let me do what I want to do, right? So the, the organization has to come out at some point and either, hey, yep, you, no, we're we love Cat, we're doing what's best for Cat, but we've already hashed that out. Um, I do have a take on officiating that you may disagree with that I want to run by you here. Uh-oh. I will see. But uh, a shout-out to our friends over at MyDullKnives.com, our friends at Vivrant. So I actually stopped by, got to hang out with uh, Joseph in the actual shop in Wyzetta, oh and it was amazing. So not only do they do professional knife sharpening to uh, eliminate the shame of walking around in public, people people branding you as a guy or a gal with dull knives— you don't want to be you don't want to be you know hosting in laws, hosting gatherings. All right, we're gonna slice up a charcuterie board. We're gonna make some you know vegetable salads, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, you're uh, squishing your tomato, and uh, you know Aunt Lucy's got you know she's got burning in her left eye. Okay, um, he taught me it's amazing. There's so many things beyond just the knife sharpening too. Uh, one of them being they have classes to sort of teach you how to be better in the kitchen. He taught me three different grips on a knife. Like, I only oh, wow. know this with the standard one where you like hold the yep. knife handle, right? He's like, yep. try these other two. These are like what, like literally what professionals do in a kitchen. And he let me, uh, he let me hold some uh, very, very nice Japanese knives that I have never been in the company of. So I've, it's kind of <laughs> opened up a whole world of interest for me, but um, here's what happens. You go to mydollknives.com. The folks at Vivrant will send you a safe and professional mail kit. You send your knives on a little vacation. They'll get sharpened up in just a couple days. They send them back to you and your confidence gets boosted in the kitchen. MyDollKnives.com. That's MyDollKnives.com. It's Mackie here, and a shout-out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples, even. So I am an allergy sufferer, and it's uh, it's rough sometimes with stuffy, runny nose. For me, it can be, like, dry, scratchy eyes, throat, even just feeling tired. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D designed for serious allergy sufferers. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose. So you can breathe better. Are you ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear, fast and powerful relief. Just a quick trip away, find Claritin D or ask for Claritin D at your pharmacy counter. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. That's Claritin.com. Use as directed. So, okay. Especially the uh the Bulls game the other night. In fact, wasn't there like someone put together a list? I think it was Timberwolves Muse on Twitter, and I retweeted this over the weekend just all the mistakes. It looked like the game was fixed at, at certain times. And and I will start my takeoff by telling you I think there's been some really poorly officiated Timberwolves games this year. I think there's nights where they absolutely have gotten a bad whistle. And I think you've seen a couple of them in the last like 10 days. So I will grant you that. Our friend Alan Horton sent this tweet out. This might have been after the Bulls game or sometime like Friday or Saturday, somewhere. There. The Timberwolves lead the NBA in technical fouls with 54. The Timberwolves lead the NBA in flagrant fouls with 10. And the Timberwolves lead the NBA in ejections with eight. Again, are there nights where you're getting a bad whistle? Absolutely. Do I think Anthony Edwards deserves a few more trips to the free throw line here and there? Yes, I do. But when you lead the NBA in all three of those categories, you lead the NBA in technicals, flagrants, and ejections, to me, that's a look-in-the-mirror issue more than... The league is screwing us, and the league just wants to pile on the Timberwolves. The officials have it out for the Timberwolves every single night more than any other NBA team. I don't think that's the case. I think this is showing you, again, techs, flagrants, ejections. And then think about on the other side, like on the actual basketball side, how many times they lose their mind late in a game where they're up by double digits, right? They can't close out games. To me, this just sort of solidifies the fact that the Wolves, even though they've added some veterans, are one of the most immature, fragile teams in the NBA. That's my take on it. We're not gonna see
1: eye to eye on this one. Um but 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 I do I do see your point, and I think it's really chicken and egg, and that's why I think this is actually a fun conversation because mm-hmm. I think we can both feel right about it. But I've also seen some weird takes too where it's like, well, you know, the wolves need to develop a a stronger rapport and a stronger relationship with the officials yeah you do that when you're trying to raise money at a college from alumni (laughs) not with people whose job description is to be impartial I don't need to develop a I don't need to bring chocolate boxes for Ed Molloy when his job is to call the game fairly um I'm with you on on some of that stuff like I said when you start listing all of those things it's like Okay. By the way, oh. this
0: these numbers are without Carl Anthony Towns. Right, right. Who would who would only add to the he would he would mostly add to the technical fouls, I think. I don't think he's I don't think he's a, he's been ejected a few times, but like if, you know, but he, he, he he's actually a good example because I agree. Ed Malloy, do your job. And Scott Foster like like do your job. But the way that Carl Anthony Towns and again, he's not really part of this necessarily cuz the, the last time he played was around Thanksgiving. But the way that he goes about gesticulating and pouting and crying sort of you know he's he's this basketball victim it seems like on a regular basis compared to other top sort of all nba caliber players i think that type of attitude prevents you from getting better whistles because there is a human element to it despite the fact that you're right ed malloy do your job like get rid of the human element but the but there is a human element to it i tweeted this out but there was a there was
1: an prime example that would make me feel good about my side of this even though you just listed way more cool facts that make me look wrong <laughs> but in that Bulls game DeMar De... there's like a minute left in overtime I think the Wolves are up three DeMar DeRozan gets doubled and drives into the lane and Rudy Gobert gives him one of the softest wrist slaps in the world it is you can't actually see it on the replay slight wrist slap they give DeRozan a long continuation hits the bucket Gobert falls out DeRozan never misses free throws tie game next possession Jaden comes down, gets grabbed by DeMar DeRozan, same wrist slap, then drives into the lane, and Nikola Vucevic literally stabs him with a rusty slice of deep dish pizza. (laughs) Jaden falls to the ground, no and one, no. So those are the plays where it's like you literally, the play before, got a really soft call that followed out a guy that was a game-changing play, and then the next play... And it does go back to the immaturity thing. Like, young guys don't usually get whistles, right? Like, it's usually the proven guys, the veteran guys. I don't know why that is, but that's how the NBA works. But you said it shows that the Wolves are immature, and I agree with that, and I have no pushback. But it does then spiral me back to what I said in January. I really like—this is just me—I really like Chris Finch. I really like him. I think he's been trying to, you know, cook with as much as he could this year. His his all-NBA center has missed 52 games or whatever by this point. But I think at this point, you need to get thrown out. I know I've joked about it before, but like, I don't think those stats that you ripped off, Phil, include coaches. And I don't think they'd be as high as they are if Finch took the sword for once and just said, no, 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 like, I can't let Ant get kicked out. I can't. Kyle Anderson's getting kicked out of games, man. He is one of the most, you know, he doesn't have a lot of ejections on his resume. Mike Conley was the closest he's been to a technical in his entire career in that Bulls game. So I think we're both right on some level, I just, you know, at some point, maybe you get out in front of it and do the thing where you slam the clipboard and protect your players. Yeah, and maybe I, that would get you more respect because like you said, Ann's not going to get it. You know, Jaden's not going to get it. The, the, the players aren't going to really, Rudy Gobert's has got a bad whistle his whole kind of career. So someone else needs to kind of look out for those guys and protect them, even if it doesn't work. It's worth a shot at this point. And for whatever reason Finch just doesn't want to do it.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm a little more lukewarm at this point on Finch. I think he's a good coach. I think he's I think he's an excellent lead assistant and I think the mm-hmm. jury is out on whether he's a long-term top 8 top 10 head coach in the NBA. He's shown at times like he he takes over and you know implements an offense sort of on the fly you know, a couple of years back for Ryan. I think you know coaching that group last year to 46 wins or whatever it was and you know, a near upset in the first round of the playoffs. So I, I think you've seen some flashes there. But if I were to tell you, in in like, let's just separate the Timberwolves from this. If I were to say, all right, um, let me just pick a team here. Who's a team that's kind of, kind of borderline in terms of the perception? Like a team that's kind of on. I would say, like like the the Clippers are now. Nah, the Clippers are well coached. Let's take a team like Oklahoma City, or just take okay. a team that's kind of on the rise, or the Pelicans, yep. or somebody, right? If I were to tell you, hey, uh, that team, the Chicago Bulls, clinging for their play lives, have the most technicals, the most flagrants, and the most ejections in the NBA, I think people would say, boy, if that team was just more disciplined, they would have a better record, or they would be just in a better place, you know, in the standings. I don't think people would say, boy, that team's getting screwed by the officials. I just pulled up the NFL too here. This is kind of fascinating. The three teams that have the most penalties taken from last season. And you're a big NFL guy, I know you are. Adam are Thielen the to the Panthers? Saw that tonight. Yeah, Pat That's McAfee broke that news. <laughs> Interesting. As Caitlin Thielen said, "On to better things," which is the <laughs> Carolina Panthers apparently. The five and twelve Panthers. Anyway, back the to three you. most penalized teams in the NFL last year were the Arizona Cardinals, the Denver Broncos, and the Los the Las Vegas Raiders. So the Cardinals, so you could say, wow, man, they're just getting a bad whistle from the officials. Or you could say what I think is true. uh, The Broncos are on this list. They were one of the worst coach teams in the NFL. Nathaniel Hackett, train wreck head coach. Arizona Cardinals, train wreck organization where the GM and the coach had to literally like build into the quarterback's contract time to study film and do your job. And then the Raiders have always been one of the most penalized teams in the NFL. I don't know what it is about the Raiders, but they're just always penalized. I think there's a little of both the Timberwolves get screwed a little bit here and there, but there's just whether it's the coach or whether it's some of the like, like Anthony Edwards at some point, you can't expect to be a top end NBA team and lead the league in text flagrants and ejections. To me, those are, those are symptoms of something beyond getting screwed. They're symptoms to me of immaturity or just lack of understanding how to keep your composure in big situations. So, I guess and, that's and, all. That, that's my take on it.
1: I'm, I'm a law and order SVU guy, and you're doing a much better job of winning this case because you're using like <laughs> actual facts and stuff. But I also want to say again, as I put my fan hat on, um, we have watched every game so far of these 72 games. We've done a lot of podcasts. I remember a lot of weird stats and facts. I honestly do not really remember the Wolves getting a good whistle in a game. And as I, we talk about Alan Horton and his good tweet, I have him up right here. Um, We haven't even talked about the Celtics game where they might have been the worst of the bunch. Yeah. And I mean, Britt Robson, I think came out and said that was the worst officiated game he's ever seen. And he's went to a thousand of these games, right? Like there was the jump ball with Grant Williams. There was the Celtics head coach Mm. in the wolves seats, right? Like he was closer to the action than Finch was. And it was down by Finch. So it is, again, this is just me being the petty, immature 34 year old that I am, but it's just, if you keep kicking me, and then I strike back after the tenth kick, like I can't always be claimed that I have a short fuse or I'm the bad guy because there are moments it's like that celtics game uh, you know there's there is no more there's no more Tim Donahue in the league. I don't think we're at those levels, <laughs> but there were just multiple things in that game that not only did you compound a mistake on the tip, but then in the pool report after the game, like, oh, we didn't see the coach like you didn't see the coach, he was at the free throw line like yeah. how did so then it's like and then after that, you know they. They kind of lose the game, and then that's when you get Ant and Kyle thrown out. And it's like those stats add to what Phil just said. And, again, Phil is right in this. But, you know, those stats don't exist if you just call the game impartially and you get the plays right. I know we're never going to get them 100% right, but I feel like from a Wolves fan's perspective, they're not even getting them 60% right. And And maybe the frustrating part is. And
0: maybe I'm being unrealistic in that I just want all of my athletes to be stoic, to never (laughs) react to any sort of external uh, circumstances. You know, I I think I brought this up on the podcast where I used to, I did a podcast series like seven years ago called uh, How to Live a Cool Life. And I just, I I talked to people in different walks of business and sports and people kind of at the top of their games for, it was like a little two season situation. Uh, when Hubbard first formed a partnership with Podcast One. I think you can still find these out there somewhere. I don't know if the podcast feed still exists, but one of the interviews I did was with George Mumford, who was the longtime, with Chicago and Los Angeles, he was the longtime mental coach for Phil Jackson's teams. So he was like the mental coach for Kobe Bryant's Lakers and for Michael Jordan's Bulls and you know all the other, like the Steve Kerr's and all these players. And and you work with these teams hands-on throughout the season and and so I asked him, I said, How do players at the top of their game in the NBA, how do they waltz into, you know, the Rose Garden in Portland twenty years ago or some of these raucous environments? It's a playoff game. And you're in Sacramento at was it Arco? What was that arena oh, called? Yep, yep, back yep. in the day. And uh, and they're you know, they're rattling bells and stuff, and and it's it's game six, game seven. How do these guys not how do they do their job without their heart pounding through their neck, you know? Right. I've always n- about that too, yeah. I'll never forget his response because they're all they're, they're all elite, but they're all humans, right? You have 20,000 mm-hmm. people screaming. It's a pressure free throw. How do you knock that down with regularity? And he said, it's all about creating space between the mechanism and the response. The mechanism being the thing that's happening, the thing that's happening to you or the thing that's happening environmentally, whatever, they, whatever the mechanism is, or somebody says something to you, right? A fan in the front row or could be in your everyday life. You're late for work. Someone honks at you, right? There's any number of things that could happen, the mechanism and then your response to it. He says the best athletes, and really you could say the best peak performers in anything, could put a little pause or a little beat, a little breath between the thing that happens and then your reaction to it. And uh, I find that these Timberwolves sometimes have a hard time with that space between the mechanism and the response. The mechanism can be unfair sometimes. And if it were up to me, I would want all of my athletes to be stoic robots that never, ever sabotage uh, with technical fouls or rejections. But that's not we sh- reality.
1: We should have just an ongoing segment called Dr. Phil, where you just try to make <laughs> me a better person. Because, uh, you know, my, my, dad, my dad turned 70 this last week, and he is. Uh, He actually set the tiger age record. No one's ever gotten to seventy, so shout out to him. But he, wow, uh, odds are against you
0: then, Kyle. Yeah, enjoy. (laughs) If
1: if the wolves keep getting this whistle, I'm not going to make it to forty. But he, (laughs) he has always been like he. I think he is the nicest guy in the world. He's my best friend, and he, uh, he never reacts. And I think he would like it if I didn't react. I get that from my mom's side a little bit, but I just, I, I think it's chicken and egg. Again, like I said at the top, I every stat that Phil just had was right um and it's true and the Wolves lead in all these ugly categories I just know that in that Celtics game for example just one game that I thought they played really good basketball and they could have won and then the way we talk about the standings would be different the way we talk about all these injuries would be different Mm -hmm. um they got four technicals a flagrant foul that was weak um you know Jalen Brown confronted Rudy I mean there was just a lot of things that you know they get two ejections with two seconds left in the game that's over that just kind of pile on to the stats that you read but you're right at the end of the day I think you got to be way more mature I don't I think that's a, that's what Phil's trying to say and Phil is 100% right. The Wolves just are still immature. Whether it be their young guys who you kind of give a pass to or you know, I love them, but Torian Prince who kind of just lost the game for him by himself yeah. in that Bulls game. Be by not, you know, you're a vet on this team, the guys look up to you, are the one that at media day was or you know, at, at the end of the season last year all the guys were like, "Yeah, TP would bring us in to his hotel room and just talk to us about life and ball. It's like, dude, you can't make that turnover when you're up two and there's no shot clock left. Like, you got to hold the ball and shoot the free throws so it's just another you know characteristic of this team still feeling the pressure of just lack of success over you know these last six months these last six years these last 33 years but um i do think that there's a little there are moments in time where it's just after a while it's like someone's got to stand up for you i mean you know the fred van vliet viral video from a few weeks ago where he was like i'm just going to take the fine but then he literally called the ref's name out and just was like, he was bleeping terrible the night.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't that know, man. Like <laughs> it,
1: I, I, that might've helped them. They've been on a little winning streak since then. Like it, maybe it's one of those things and maybe it has to come from higher up. Maybe it has to come from Tim Connolly. Like, I don't know, but yeah. the wolves are just not handling a lot of things well right now. And it's, uh, showing in their record and their performance and everything else from top to
0: bottom. And so our recommendation here as we wrap this episode of, of Flagrant Howls in a very Zen-like way is uh, the last 10 games could be tumultuous. There might be some uh, negative mechanisms, as you would call them if you're George Mumford. It's on us following this team to put some space between the mechanism and the response.
1: A famous, uh, a famous poet once said, never too high, never too low. That was actually D'Angelo Russell, but he was on to something. So. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and with the wolves, uh, there's always a, another level of low, and yeah. we'll see if we'll Never see gets if they get high, hit but it. always yeah. gets pretty low. <laughs> so, all right, well, let's uh, we'll shut up for now with our philosophical ramblings here, and uh, we'll probably hit you. We're we've you know, we promised kind of two episodes a week, and we've we haven't stuck to that as much as we wanted to here, but um, we will definitely as we wind down the stretch here. You're well, you're I'm back, my tra- so I'm traveling Monday through Wednesday, and, and then we're both likely grounded for the stretch run in the regular season and ideally play in in playoffs, but it's kind of up to them at this point. Yeah. The, the the schedule point, I,
1: I, I really do appreciate people listening to this. Uh Phil has been, obviously I've said this before, but a good friend and a better mentor and has shown me that sometimes it's important to just hang out with family. So I know I've been saying the T word a lot and some people don't like that, but traveling vacations, but back and hopefully to kind of grind out as much content as possible over these next uh 10 games, whichever way they go, they could go 10 and 0, we we have lost the bid for fifty. I I've kind of wanted to pull one out for that, but uh, well, we you know,
0: and we, technically we never said. No, we did say a regular season. Yeah, that's true.
1: Oh, I should. I gonna, I went, oh, that's. I was, was going go to go hunt for some pre-season,
0: preseason wins plus a couple maybe playing wins or something.
1: But yeah, like I said, it, it, it has <laughs> this last week has turned. I mean, uh, Alan Horn had another one too. Where it was like a week ago or something. They were riding high, right? And now you've fallen really low. But if you can get Ant back, and God forbid you let the line out of the cage. Um, There are still very winnable games on your schedule that that month of April, those four final games are against teams that have no business wanting to play basketball. And it's a gut check time for you because you have performed terribly in those games when your opponent doesn't care. Uh, And now, you know, it's meaningful, you should care, you should try to, you know, salvage this. And I still believe what you said in February, if this team makes it in, they're going to be a weird team for other teams to play because then the Mm pressure is on the Nuggets, the pressure is on the Kings, the pressure is on the Warriors. So We'll see if they get there, but they have stumbled to the finish line for sure.
0: Yeah. All right. That's a wrap here on Flagrant House. If you guys could, if you haven't already, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and a positive review if you could. And click the subscribe button and the like button on the Score North YouTube channel. He's Kyle. I'm Phil. We'll see you guys next time.